0: Alright, check, two, three, four. Check, check, hey,
1: hey yeah, yeah. It was the day before fall began But summer was nowhere close to saying goodbye I hopped in the minivan on that clear morning And headed northeast Through the rolling hill country of western North Carolina Staying off the main highways as much as possible It was a beautiful drive past farms and country stores From Lawndale and Bellwood Into Connolly Springs and Rutherford College Home of the Lovelady Fire Department across Rhodus Lake and over Cages Mountain, and then into Lenore, where I picked back up onto Highway 18 and continued north. I had saved the Marcus King Band's new album, Carolina Confessions, for a first listen on this drive. Do you ever have place memories associated with music? When taking a trip, I'll often try out some choice new music for just that. The chorus kicks in the music swells and there you are cresting the hill as the sun's rays cut through the forest at just the right angle to dot and dance on the dilapidated farm to the left and the black and brown cows grazing in the pasture to the right two hours later i pulled into wilkesboro it was late morning and temperatures were already in the upper 70s a full day of music lay ahead and i would MC bands from the kickoff of the festival to early evening when I would switch gears and get this episode started with an interview of members of our subject of this podcast, the band The Steel Wheels. You'll get to hear them and several others familiar with the band talk about bringing new life to songs close to a century old, the push and pull of wanting to make music but also wanting to address the massive divides between us and help build community, how some Southern stereotypes drive them nuts, how drums and percussion have found their way into their sound and have helped build upon rather than remove their foundations, what podcasts they listen to on their way to playing some 120 shows each year, as well as a lot of their live set from this festival. There's a lot to the music and the lives of the Steel Wheels members that I didn't know before diving into this episode, and I bet there's a lot that you'll discover here too. All of that is ahead on this episode of Southern Songs and Stories.
2: All right, let's make it happen. Yeah. Osiris.
3: Hey, this is Chris Pandolfi from the Infamous String Dusters, and this podcast is part of the Osiris podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and music. Osiris works in partnership with Relics. Check them out for all kinds of new music, news, and information. Osiris.
4: Southern Songs and Stories is sponsored by you when you join us as a patron and help keep this series going. More information is on our website at southernsongsandstories.com and our crowdfunding page, patreon.com slash stories. You can subscribe to the Southern Songs and Stories podcast on our website, as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Plex. Would you take a moment to rate the show and comment on this podcast there? It's one of the easiest and best ways to get more people like you to know about Southern Songs and Stories and the artists we spotlight. Thanks for listening to Southern Songs and Stories, and we welcome your comments by email at southern stories at gmail.com, on Twitter at South Scenes, on our Facebook page, as well as on Instagram at South Stories.
1: One of the things I've learned over the years with this endeavor is that a great many followers of Southern culture and history are not from the South, or at least they grew up somewhere else before spending time here. Some of the best insights into the South come from people who did not live their lives here. I figured that when creating Southern songs and stories in the fall of 2014, most interest would come from people in the South, especially here in western North Carolina, but that wasn't always the case. As I talked with fellow travelers who were involved with producing media based on Southern culture, they shared some surprising takeaways. The South was not always as popular in the South as it was in places like New York, San Francisco, London. Members of the Steel Wheels call Virginia home, although most members are not from that state, and almost all of them grew up somewhere else, Except for their newest member, percussionist and keyboard player Kevin Garcia, they have called the Mother of States home for longer than any other. There is family, and then there is the family that you choose, and the family that chooses you. In the case of the Steel Wheels, the family embrace is not only mutual, it is all the more compelling because of these different origins. The story of the Steel Wheels has something in common with the story of the Kruger Brothers, the trio from Switzerland who host the festival where they played this song, on that night, straddling summer and fall.
0: Well, speaking of the Kruger brothers, we want to dedicate this song to them tonight. Um, I think it's a beautiful story to hear uh, their path to North Carolina and uh, the way they brought their music here uh, some years ago now, and and also how this amazing community has been built around their music, uh, in the, at least in the form of this festival, and at, at most just their continual career around um, to me, it's a beautiful story, and uh, this song is one that I wrote um, uh, about falling in love uh, with Virginia, which is where, um, where I live, where the band calls home, and uh, it's, it wasn't my home of origin, uh, but I've been there longer than anywhere else, and so I call it home, uh, but sometimes... You're born into your home and sometimes you find home. And this one goes out to anybody who's found that home and particularly the Kruger brothers and we're so grateful that they did find their home here in North Carolina. So um, this one's called Rescue Me Virginia.
5: came from Kansas, where the sky is so big you feel alone. But that prairie gives meaning to the mountains that I call my home. to wander as the wandering never gave me peace oh rescue me virginia rescue me sang the songs from the ancient washed me in the sea rescue me virginia rescue me oh rescue me in Pittsburgh is different in the ways you'd like to see like the rivers of that city deep at his center he is free sister writes from Wichita she's kept herself steady in the Oh, rescue me, Virginia, rescue me Sing the songs from the ancient Wash me in the sea Rescue me, Virginia, rescue me Oh, rescue me It makes a difference where you where you go It makes you different where you go I love the West, Colorado is a promise I could Calling me. I'm not from here, but this is where I want my roots to grow. And all the miles that I've traveled, it's good to finally find myself at home. Oh, rescue me, Virginia, rescue. Me. Songs from the ancient wash me in the sea. Rescue me, Virginia, rescue me. Oh, rescue me.
1: That was Rescue Me, Virginia, a song that Trent Wagler co-wrote with Sarah Siskind, who has co-written many songs with him. As I sat with Trent and bass player Brian Dickel before their show that night at the Carolina in the Fall Festival, we talked about one of the constantly recurring questions in this series, how they relate to and reflect Southern culture and music.
0: For us specifically in our music, the inspiration of mountain and Appalachian music is undeniably a large part of the fabric that we draw from. We and probably wouldn't be playing this if we didn't move to Virginia. No, absolutely not. That's for yeah. sure. To me, when I think about Southern culture and music, I think about the generosity of the crowds and the love for their music. And I'm putting their in quotes. But there is this sense of bluegrass and old time and the blues. And a lot of that sort of rises up from the South in in this undeniable way. And it's, of course, now, because we are such a, as a country, we are so um, I don't know transient that that culture has moved along a lot of borders, and so you hear southern rock coming out of Minnesota or whatever. But there's still this heart of it that's here. That I know for us playing in Virginia but then coming down to North Carolina I mean the love for clawhammer banjo the love for the fiddle you you can't you can't always find that somehow feeling quite as natural or normal when you're yeah. playing on the streets of Columbia Missouri a or something or, uh. yeah and and there's this sense of depth to it here that I think is is really palpable and it's always felt very welcoming for us as a band yeah. um, I think that some of the other aspects of Southern culture that may be being a uh, transplant. Um, some of the things I feel strongly about now as a band that comes from Virginia. And so even though I was born in Indiana, you were born in Iowa, our identity when we go out and about, we are a band from Virginia and we are this, so we have Virginia on our backs, whether we like it or not, whether, whether we even understand what that means to other people. But I do feel like the South has, there's so many stereotypes of the South I mean, some of the stereotypes of the South are really positive, like the generosity and the hospitality and the great food and, uh, you know, some of those aspects. But there's also a lot of just clumsy and lazy stereotypes about Southerners not being as intelligent or not being as educated. Uh, People use that Southern accent to sort of evoke a sense of, oh, uh, some sort of country yokel or something. And I think that for us, it's important to me that in our music, we are evoking stories that come from the South and stories that come from the mountains And we want it to be something that bridges that. But we're trying to write smart songs. We're trying to write songs that are are real and honest and authentic. And we're not trying to write about some stereotype about somebody coming out and knocking a beer bottle over somebody else's head because that's not the reality we see around us. And so it's important to me that we keep it as honest about what's really going on, at least in our lives and our views of the South, from our perspective, rather than trying to build some sort of, it, it always bothers me when bluegrass or country music goes along with these old stereotypes of saying this is what we do. We put a piece of straw on our teeth and we play the banjo <laughs> yeah. or and, and we you know and we beat our wife yeah. or something. Like that is ridiculous and it has no place in this music in my opinion. And so it's important that we actually build something new that can take the beauty of this of of the culture that we have but also build onto it the aspects that we're learning in the rest of our culture. <laughs> And if you want to wear coveralls <laughs> and you want to chew on a piece of straw, that's great. <laughs>
2: We're
0: gonna do a couple old-time songs. We just released a little seven-inch vinyl record, a little single. So we'll do a do the B side and then the A side. You can get a hold of these at the merch table if you like to see the vinyl still go around in a circle, and otherwise you can find them online. Um, kind of a special little project where we decided to take the old songs and make them new again for us, at least. Um, we drew a lot of inspiration early on, especially from Doc Watson's music, and we always love that moniker of traditional plus music. And uh, that's what Doc called his music, and uh, we're still trying to figure out what it means to, uh, to keep adding more pluses to some music that's just been around and continues to stay in our community. So here's to things that last. Uh, this one's called Red Rockin' Chair.
1: On their 2017 album, Wild As We Came Here, the Steel Wheels added Kevin Garcia, formerly of the Ducks. With Kevin, they brought percussion, drums, and at times keyboards into their music. If you listen to acoustic roots music lately, you've probably heard a lot more of these types of elements, especially percussion in the form of, say, a cajon on up to full drum kits. I asked several of our guests about how they hear it fitting with the Steel Wheels sound and this type of music in general. Here's Steve Johnson, head of Artist and Music Event Management Company Hoosier Devil.
2: I grew up really deeply entrenched in, in traditional bluegrass. Uh, family was around Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass. For those that may not recognize that name right away, but hopefully, hopefully they do. But so I grew up in the shadows of that. You know, he was he was a family friend, and we were at those shows frequently. And if you listen to some of the Monroe mandolin, and, and and he even talks about this a little bit, there's there's some snippets out there on, um, you know, snippet clips of video where you can find some of his discussions on this, where the, the mandolin sort of takes that percussive beat that you get from uh, the, the drum kits now, you know, some of the uh, the sounds from the cajon or that type of thing that, that gives that, that, that solid back beat to the music. It was there, and Monroe would allude to that. He may never have come right out and said, you know, it replaces the drum or it's in place of the drum, but it was but it was rooted in that, that percussive beat type thing. And I've heard him talk about it. I think a lot of folks that are traditionalists around bluegrass don't really understand that even Monroe was a little more progressive in his sound because that was the feel or the beat that he was looking for in a lot of his music. If you listen to it, it's there. So I think it's important to remember that piece to talk about the, the next piece of this, which is, I think it's really just an evolution of what started then to now, but I also think as music has progressed, and you think about stereophonics and the the, the evolution of the sound of of how we listen to music, a lot of it is rooted in that bass or that percussive sound, and I think the listening mainstream public have gotten used to hearing that that solid beat behind the music, and the drum just delivers that. So it's, it's just kind of a natural evolution or progression uh, you know, drumming has been around for a long time musically. I mean, it was one of the earliest forms of, of making any kind of musical beat or sound. So a lot of people say, well, this is new and it's, it's different. And some people say it's new and it's blasphemous. <laughs> it, it's not, it doesn't have a place in music, but I think it. you know, it's always been there. It's just been there in different forms. And I think now the listening public are used to being able to hear that in a, in a progressive stereophonic type sound. It's something they come to expect and expect it to be at the forefront. And I think bands are just responding to that.
4: I think it is a way for people to just expand their appeal. It is, for some people, not having um, the drums. Certainly, you're right. There are bluegrass bands that are adding drums. I mean, but I also think of people like Jim and Jesse, who are considered to be bluegrass, and they had drums Uh, There were J.D. Crow albums that had drums on them, too. So I don't think this is a completely new phenomena. But certainly there does seem to be, in the last several years, uh, bands doing this. And I just think it's fine. I I think the most important thing, is the music good? Do people like to hear it? I'm not a big uh, believer in just having a genre of music stay the same for the sake of the genre staying the same. And there are so many different people who have been doing, you know, if I put quotes around bluegrass for years um, that have always been different. You think of like New Grass Revival, they had their own take on things. And, you know, thank goodness um, Tim O'Brien had his own version of uh, New Grass, and he's a great proponent of acoustic music in general. And he's done it in all different kinds of ways. So I'm just really glad that they're figuring out new cool ways to present themselves. Especially this last album, I think the thing that kind of was so good that just brings it back to what's most important about the Steel Wheels is they write and sing and perform really good songs.
6: You know, one of the questions I often get from customers is, is what kind of band are we going to see tonight? And and I really dislike that question because the greatest bands like the Steel Wheels. You, you can't quantify their music whatsoever. They're always pushing the boundaries of, of what their sound is. And, um, and, and that's a beautiful thing. So I love it when I can't answer the question, what does this band sound like?
1: That's John Bright, owner of the Purple Fiddle in West Virginia, the club where the Steel Wheels played their first gig outside of the Shenandoah Valley they call home. Before John... Ann Williams, the morning host at Roanoke, Virginia, public radio station, WNRN. Earlier in this episode, you got to hear the band's take on the traditional number Red Rocking Chair, which is the B-side of a recent single. The A-side is coming up next, followed by more of our conversation with Brian and Trent, as well as Ann Williams and the Steel Wheels business manager, Ben Coe. Now, back to that warm evening's performance for this almost psychedelic cover of Working on a Building.
0: We had been talking about reimagining some old traditional songs for a little bit and working on a building is one that we have some history with because we recorded it on our first album as the steel wheels on red wing Uh, but that's been you know eight or nine years ago since we would have recorded that and when we did, it was a very straightforward approach. Maybe the vocals are slightly different, but otherwise, it was you know acoustic guitar, mandolin, one fiddle, one microphone. Yeah. We actually recorded that thing outside in this cabin in Augusta County, Virginia. Um, so now yeah it kind of represents in a way the the movement of the band and how we've changed uh, especially in the last 2 to 3 years where we've added some more electric instruments and we've electrified our sound in some ways we've added percussion um and yeah we wanted to take another stab at it it was a really fun process um plus I think it was a bit of a I mean I don't know Brian maybe you've, it was a little bit of like we used to get that song requested we so do. much
7: and I'm I'm going to take the blame here that I kind of put the stop to it I said I <laughs> can't play that anymore Yeah, years ago we just played it too much it always gets requested so now now if people say it we're like oh yeah we can do that we'll do one it. not what they're expecting at all and so far the reaction's been great People, there's been a few where people are like oh, I really like the old version that's fine there's nothing wrong with the old version but it's fun to push it in a new way and just see what comes out of it you know we didn't have any real aspirations of making it, you know, bigger than what it is. It's just, it was a fun time in the studio to see what happens with an old-time tune, kind of without thinking about it as an old-time tune.
0: Once upon a time, we did a bike tour across North Carolina. Uh, we started west of here in Black Mountain. We came across the mountains. Um, and, man, there's plenty of mountains in this particular bike tour, we were carrying our instruments and uh, all of our gear with us on the bikes or bike trailers or cargo bikes, uh, and it was a, a, a challenge that started out as a joke uh, that got way out of hand. And but I tell you what, you really appreciate every mile when you pedal it, and you appreciate the inclines and the declines in a new way that you don't when you're burning that gas. and. Uh, so we earned every single mile getting to Wilkesboro that time. and We played our show to the handful of people who were bothered enough to come out of their houses. <laughs> you feel like you earned a huge crowd, you see, when you bike 60 miles on a big bike like that. You feel like you earned it. But it was all right because by the end of the day, you were seeing double anyway. And so the crowd started to get real large after a bit. Anyway, this is a song... Uh, we often joke as our bike tour mantra. This one's called Long Way To Go.
3: How the conversation came up of the band riding their bikes into the festi, and the the festival called the festi was in Nelson County. So they live over in Shenandoah Valley. So they would have would have had to come south and then come east and go over the mountains, Blue Ridge Mountains, which are significant. You know, that's the Appalachian mountain chain. So it's it's real mountain a couple thousand feet elevation gain, and uh, and then come down into the festival after that and so on the day of their set and if I recall correctly the weather wasn't great it was a little bit drizzly and it was cool bordering on cold from what I recall and, um, and sure enough here they come an hour and a half before their set maybe or something like that they come pulling into the festival with everything that they need, it's not like they had some kind of support vehicle. They literally came with everything that they needed. And they weren't wearing their stage clothing, so they come pulling in in bike clothing, and they have Brian obviously as a stand-up bass. So he's literally got a folded-up stand-up bass on the back of his bike. Not, you know, not like you're going to the grocery store, but a trailer on the back with that. Um, yeah, I was so impressive. <laughs> a band of four guys at the time uh, come pulling in with all of their gear. And their change of clothes and everything.
4: One of the interesting things that people might not know about Harrisonburg, Virginia, is they have a great biking culture there. There are a lot of trails, there are a lot of people who like to bike. There's um, one of the big bike fundraisers that goes 150 miles in the Shenandoah Valley, you know, goes in and out of Harrisonburg. And I would imagine a lot of people from Harrisonburg help out with those kinds of fundraiser events where some other communities might have lots of 5Ks and 10Ks. There's just a lot of bike tours and things like that out of that area. And the Steel Wheels decided that they were going to do a whole tour biking with their instruments. And I just can't imagine them like, you know, biking up these mountains, you know, and they talk about it, how tough it was. And then they realized that, you know, this was great. They did it once. They're happy they did it. But we can. We don't need to do that anymore.
3: I know the guys um, pretty well. I've worked with them for a few years, and they have um, they have some Midwest roots. I swear that I can hear that in the music. There's something about. Almost sometimes I can hear these sort of lonesome prairie sounds in some of the the songs.
6: I think uh, the average fan would be shocked to find out that they weren't originally from Virginia or the South or the mountains of Appalachia, because it certainly uh, really comes through their music, um, and they've they've been heavily influenced by it for sure. Um, I was actually uh, surprised to read to, to to find out that that Trent wasn't from this area. Um, I do remember when Jay used to perform with uh, the Goldmine Pickers, and I knew they were from Indiana. Um, Goldmine Pickers uh, very much have an Appalachian sound as well.
4: They are curious, intelligent people who love music, and they continue to evolve. Um, One thing I know about Trent and some of the early members of the steel wheels is that they used to play together at Eastern Mennonite university and kind of like a punk band. And I think that energy always excites me when it gets applied to any kind of music outside of punk music. I like punk music too, but um, I have always been a fan of uh, people who apply that energy to like country music, like Kevin Kinney or, you know, If it's going to be kind of old time, then the Steel Wheels kind of also brought their own version of that to their start. They were not, I mean, individually, they were interested in folk music particularly. And then they kind of decided that they didn't want to do the punk music anymore and they wanted to play together. So taking up acoustic instruments and learning how to play together. And then they were in Harrisonburg in kind of, one of the great places where you can learn about Virginia traditional music. And so they just were sponges.
2: You know, listen to, to some of the old roots music where you've got uh, someone, you know, maybe playing a claw hammer banjo and stomping their feet. They're, they're creating a beat there. And they were really trying to, uh, I think what you're seeing now is sort of a um, um, emulating, I guess is a better word, versus saying mimic. Uh, they say uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And I think really just trying to play, you know, pay homage to um, kind of those sounds that maybe were the earliest recorded sounds of that type thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's there. And it's just kind of taking the journey back to, to appreciate the origin of it. But uh, as with anything, you know, I mentioned Monroe earlier in his music. If you listen to his style from the 30s uh, when he and his brother Charlie were, were performing and playing music together with a mandolin and a, and a guitar, One or the other of them, depending on where they were in the the break cycle of the music, were kind of taking these percussive beats and then move that forward to some of the later works that Monroe recorded, you kind of still get the same thing. And, uh, I should know this, but I don't, I'm I'm not so sure that Monroe may not have had some kind of percussion or drums in his music at some point, but Jimmy Martin introduced a snare drum early on into the bluegrass world, kind of gave it that little percussive snap and beat and, uh. Heard you know, Johnny Cash say that the way he tried to play the guitar was to mimic the rhythm of snare drum. And uh, I think you're kind of getting that same thing now with some of these you know, more Americana roots type bands that they're really kind of going back to the tradition but taking their music and just applying that, that formula to it and, and really creating almost an entirely different uh, sound. Not maybe a new genre, but certainly a different sound.
1: And here's a bit more of that new sound from the steel wheels with Wild As We Came Here.
5: started with anger. Keep it wild for my daughter. We've never been here before.
1: With the, yeah. the content of your of your music, I mean, you, uh, to, to quote your own Facebook, <laughs> you've got home, family, community, a sense of belonging, seeking and finding, the pendulum of gains and losses. These are the big issues embedded into the fabric of the steel wheels. But you also can make social statements with mm-hmm. your music. It may not be overt, mm-hmm. but how do you balance that? Because the, the, you know the, the the times that we are in, yeah. uh, people people tend to to be taking sides it seems Mm. to put it very mildly yeah
7: yeah we're certainly not hurting for division these days (laughs) you know it's uh yeah I mean we talk about that we've talked about it for years even before what we consider the chaos happening now in our country I mean there's always been chaos but yeah Mm -hmm. Um, you know we've talked about it from the start of like how what are we trying to say with the music what are we trying to say with our night and evening of performance what are we trying to what are we projecting you know and it's not a put on it's all still from the heart we're doing what we feel inside but yeah you're you're correct we're not in your face like saying exactly what we feel Um, we talk about that sometimes too like should we be or should we not you know in the end right now as you alluded to everything is so divisive I mean you can't go online without ending up in some, you know, juvenile argument, even without even trying almost. It's just <laughs> everything re- devolves into mm-hmm. just chaos. And so for one night, we're trying to be smart w- with what we're presenting you, giving you... I'm always surprised when we sometimes get misread as mm-hmm. to what our beliefs are, because are like, it's pretty there. But, yeah. you know, we're not beating you over the head with it, and we, and we like to have you walk away with an evening of like, at least for a few hours, Trent said it a million times on the mic, like, you know, you you have your phone down for a couple hours. You're not on some feed telling you how much you should hate your neighbor. Mm -hmm. You're not, you know, you're not, yeah, you're not getting bombarded with that. And for two hours or three hours, you're having a night out with strangers. You may disagree with everything, with the guy right next to you, you don't even know it, but you're both enjoying it under this umbrella of good music, good community, maybe it's a small repair into where it goes from there maybe it's just a pipe dream that we have for those few hours i don't know yeah. but
0: that's kind of where we approach it yeah. at this point anyhow and it's a i mean it's a great question i think it's a, it's something that we do wrestle with i don't always feel resolved about it because i feel like on one hand You do see it in the context of what is our role in the larger society, in our particular spot on stage, in those 90 minutes or whatever our slot is at a particular music festival or a performance that people bought tickets to come and see music. What is it that we are actually there for? What's the music for? Is it there to ask questions is it there to dig and maybe make you uncomfortable for a few minutes about what you believe or think in the cultural or political climate that we're in or is it there to comfort you and make you feel a part of something when the rest of the the week you're feeling in this division um also uh that can be a cop-out at the same time like that can be a safe way of saying well we don't need to cover those difficult topics because that's not our role that's not our place and at the same time every night we have a microphone and we're in front of a bunch of people and we have a platform that we could stand up and say as you know in this case five guys who are from the south uh, this is what we think this is what we see and this is what we say and so we wrestle with it and there's times where i've made flat out comments about the the news of the day, and I've made it very clear about what I think, uh, but I also want to be careful not to alienate people simply to, to, uh, take advantage of that microphone I have because, um... Because it may, it may totally discount the rest of the night. That may be the only thing that those people have heard. And at the end of the night, they just walk away and say, this is, you know, the whole thing was a big rant and rave session with Trent about this. And that's not what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, at the same time, I do wrestle with how much of that unity for that 90 minutes is is that what we need. And, and yet, I do. I go back to the social media feeds and... All we see otherwise is division. And so trying to highlight that in the midst of it, of saying, we can do this. At least we can do this. Um, It is a social statement. It it is taking a stand to basically say, I'm going to sit with these neighbors I don't know and watch and listen to music. That's important to me. And that builds a kind of community. I mean, it doesn't seem like a strong political stance, (laughs) but it is a stance in the midst of what, you know, I was just having a conversation. This is totally the subject a little bit but i was having a conversation about the way we communicate and about my grandmother who used to always on on birthdays she would write letters uh, they'd give you a card, you know, some card they bought, but then also this letter. And the letter always started with the weather. It always talked in the... she wrote by hand what the weather had been. out of date by the time you get it. Yeah, it's like two weeks ago, by the time you get it. But I thought, man, this is so interesting to me. And when I think about it now, the weather is such an easy thing to find on that app on your phone. We would never do that. We never talk about. We certainly wouldn't write it down. And and yet there is something so there was something so comforting and beautiful about that that. I think I don't know it's a bit off topic but in the same time it's what we there are th- certain aspects of things we just lose by, uh, without even realizing it by the way we communicate and by the way we gain and access information and I am not anti phone I use my phone all the time but at the same time are so many of us have our heads in these phones so much of the time that I think we it's not it's important that we don't discount how how much a little bit of art in our lives a little bit of setting that aside and looking around and seeing the people around us enjoying something creative and something imaginative, how much that can really bring to a community. And so uh, I don't know. I do go back and forth from thinking it's the most revolutionary thing that we can do just to play music. And then also thinking, no, we've got to, you know, we we need to be active in so many other ways in order to build uh, a a strong, true community with a capital C. Um, So maybe we need to do both. Yeah, probably so. (laughs) I think you can get both in the same evening, even. Even
7: now, you know, it's not overtly in your face, but it's a thinking show even though it's a fun show You know, it's kind of where we're at right now.
0: We're gonna do a song for you now called Love Longer Love It's one that uh, we recorded here in our last album cycle and it uh, It didn't make the record properly. Uh, We sort of ran out of room But we decided we would uh, still give it a life and we released it as sort of a part of the deluxe album online. But in a time when uh, it's sometimes so noisy and so uh, messy out there with so much yelling about, I uh, was inspired to write this song for my mom who talked to me about parenting and. And mom's sage advice was just love. (laughs) Uh, When there's no other, when you're not quite sure how to parent, uh, just love and err on the side of love. And uh, she lived that for me, but it felt like about the best advice I could get. You gotta love these banjos too. They'll love you back if you get them in tune. This one's called Love, Longer, Love. Here you go.
5: you
1: As I record this podcast, the Steel Wheels are recording their next album in a 1700s farmhouse in Maine that was converted into a studio, producer Sam Kassirer's Great North Sound Society. It's an exciting time for the band as they give birth to the next chapter of their musical journey. They're also deep into their preparations for Red Wing Roots Music Festival held at Natural Chimneys Park in Mount Solon, Virginia. When the festival kicks off next July, it will be the seventh time around although I couldn't tell you what the lineup will be. They're keeping that pretty close to the vest. But based on last year's acts, which included the Steep Canyon Rangers, the Secret Sisters, Josh Ritter, John Moreland, MIPSO, the Warren Treaty, host band The Steel Wheels themselves, of course, and others, it ought to be pretty strong. Red Wing is very dear to the band's fiddle player, Eric Brubaker, who hosts the four-day music camp leading up to the fest called Red Wing Academy. It brings in violin, viola, cello, bass, guitar, mandolin, and banjo students who work with members of the band and other instructors, and it culminates with a performance at the festival alongside the steel wheels. At every Red Wing, there's a tribute set, and last year the band played the music of Tom Petty. Covers are a great insight into where an artist's heart is. Here's one that stood out back on that first night of fall in Wilkesboro. Steel Wheels always work in some spiritual a cappella songs into their sets. They're also a very DIY bunch, and both are on display here in their encore.
5: There's a rain coming down in the valley We're gonna worship
1: is wielding his shaker stick there, the song Rain in the Valley, going back to their 2012 album Lay Down Lay Low. I noticed it was homemade, with the sound coming from flat steel washers attached all over it. Like a lot of bands, this crew has skill sets outside of music that come in really handy.
0: That I'll brag on Brian while he's standing here is that uh, he is our band mechanic as well. And I think about it because on our last trip, we've had a van that is. You know, I, I don't want to say any any negative no or names, disparaging no words names. about. Henry Henry Ford or (laughs) Or, uh, or possible later inventions of his family, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, but we we have had a number of issues where and on like on the last trip home actually we were driving home from Kansas so we had a 14 hour drive through the night and I was sleeping in the bunk in the back uh, and I wake up I woke up twice actually both times one time to Brian just cursing as he's trying to get this hot hot spark plug really hot we're gonna put really hot (laughs) yes. cracked hot spark plug out of one of the cylinders so that we could replace it and get it running again uh, cuz it was missing and then a uh, second time there was another mechanical issue and we had to wait until we could find an auto zone that was open at 7 a.m. on a Sunday always morning a Sunday. So these always are always <laughs> a Sunday or a holiday. So Take these are break. you know these are <laughs> the uh, the really sort of beautiful and amazing stories of the road that you don't think about very often <laughs> if you're exactly. if you just come to the shows is some of that back end of you know repacking bearings on what, the trailer shocked
7: that we're there half the time every night.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The crowd doesn't even know. I can't believe we made it. But no, Brian <laughs> is our in-house mechanic where he is, he's, you know, repacked the ball bearings on the, on the trailer. Yeah, at 2 in the morning we, all, we all stuck it out together. Stuck it out. Nobody and we can go into the hotel. We've fixed, yeah, fixed a number of issues that certainly if Brian hadn't been in the band, the rest of us would have been looking at each other and looking at our phones and being like, maybe it's a belt. It's you my know? job security. Like yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not necessarily any better at
7: playing bass, but I can. <laughs> back the band up really well and fix things so.
0: It's yeah it's invaluable in on the
7: dreams. road
1: it really is yeah, this could be a word to other bands are <laughs> auditioning somebody to get the or pick him
0: oh yeah well and I, I will like say his rhythm's I mean,
1: alright but man <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that is I mean honestly that's it that is a huge aspect that you do not think and you, you really shouldn't make it a part of the artistic decisions of the band but at the same time if you can find me a, a drummer or a bass player or a, a musician who can also design a poster or who can back up the van, or who can uh, advance shows, or design a website, or whatever. Like those skills in in this climate of the way music is done today, and the way you need to be a jack of all trades. We still um, we still keep it pretty in house when we can. Like we're kind of like, eh, I don't know, we can do that. One of us has that skill. Why yeah, not? You know, yeah. like so we like that aspect. It's Yeah, and it's important. It, it really is. I mean, I think we don't... Yeah, we're, we're not a band that, that gets too worried about getting our hands dirty, literally in yeah. some cases, uh, to make sure that the, that the whole business is running and that we can get to the next show. And so that's an aspect, I think, that also keeps the band together is uh, that we can tell, you know, when you're getting your sweat and your, your hands we're all, dirty, we're, it. <laughs> we're all there,
1: yeah. In any relationship, it always works best if everyone pulls together and aren't afraid to get out of their comfort zones every so often. Like the examples Trent and Brian told us about there, that do-it-yourself attitude is one of the secrets to the steel wheel's success and longevity. That's our show. Thanks for listening, and thanks to both the Osiris Podcast Network and to Bluegrass Planet Radio for carrying the show. Thanks to Sean Rubin for help engineering the recording of the band's live performance. I encourage you to spread the word about this podcast and consider helping us by subscribing and commenting on our show and becoming a patron. You can find out more at southernsongsandstories.com dot com and at patreon dot com slash Southern Songs and Stories. And you can keep up with us on our Facebook page, on Twitter, at South Scenes, and on Instagram, at South Stories. Plus, our podcasts are available on practically every platform there is. You can find out more about the Steel Wheels on their website at thesteelwheels.com. This is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Osiris.
0: There's also the working songwriter um, in the music world. We've definitely uh, had a lot of our friends interviewed on Joe Pug's uh, yeah. podcast yeah. Uh, that yeah, he does some great interviews about songwriting and with and songwriters. We did Otis Gibbs for a while, his yeah. podcast. Yeah, I don't Thank, know, we kind of vary. Yeah. Depends on how long the drives you know are. Otis, or who's Otis up. Gibbs? Yeah. Uh, Thanks for Giving a Damn yeah. his
7: podcast. Yeah, short, um, little shorts. And...
0: Yeah. yeah, it kind of varies. Kind of,
7: it's usually like, you know, we got six of us in the van full time. So it's like, who's discovered what? when they're off the road and you bring something to the table and you know some people get into them certain ones and other people
0: check out in the back but it's a it's a nice thing to roll the hours by for sure there's another ridiculous one called how did this get made it's a movie podcast about like the worst movies you can think of (laughs) um and uh it's like jason manzoukas and uh who's the other guy kind of the main guy paul Shear. um they're you know they're actors themselves and they just go through and find the Worst movies, and then just talk them through with a live audience, usually is the best, and it's pretty funny, especially if you've seen the movie yourself. Especially if you've seen the movie, it's really funny. But even if you haven't, in some cases, it's just hilarious to have them describe how terrible this movie we should, was. We shouldn't
7: reveal where Jay goes sometimes, but oh, yeah. Jay, uh, is it case files? Yeah, yeah. It's just dark, like police mm. files of the most gruesome things. We're like, we can't, we we kick Jay out of this oh. when he puts the it out. Like, like, on. Like, dude, one, yeah. we're all gonna mm-hmm. just be depressed and angry when this is done.
0: Yeah, it's basically people just reading off case files yeah, it's... Of, like it's, some of the yeah, most
7: horrendous don't, crimes. Don't go to it, but Jay goes there on his dark places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not here for the interview, so we can reveal his secrets. This is an endorsement
0: of it. It's true. There's going to be people being like, man, i got to listen to that. Check that
7: out. That sounds amazing. Jay seems happy all the time on stage. It must not be affecting him. That's right. He's a great guy. (laughs)